0: Translation, you are a fool, he said. You are not qualified to study Vedanta philosophy, and therefore you must always chant the holy name of Krishna. This is the essence of all mantras or Vedic hymns. Purport. Sri Bhakti Siddhanta "It's a long purport. I guess we better break up the purport. Huh? And I think it may even be that the purport goes on until tomorrow, because it's a half a page, one page, two pages. It's a three-page purport. So who's the speaker tomorrow? Who? Oh, have you already given him the verse? You have? Okay. So today I didn't bring my glasses, but now I've got a three-page purport in front of me. Somebody want to read the purport out, please? Someone with a good, clear voice. It's going to strain me. Who's got the good, clear voice? Cambridge Educated, come on. You come. Come on. Oh. Paribos. Oh, you didn't expect that this morning, did you? No. Expect the unexpected when I come. <laughs> I do. It seems to work for me. Oh.
1: Shri Bhaktisatanda Saraswati Goswami Maharaj comments in this connection. One can become perfectly successful in the mission of his life if he acts exactly according to the words he hears from the mouth of his spiritual master. This acceptance of the words of the spiritual master is called srotavakya, which indicates that the disciple must carry out the spiritual master's instructions without deviation. Shri Bhaktisatanda rem- remarks in this connection that a disciple must accept the words of his spiritual master as his life and soul. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu here confirms this by saying that since his spiritual master ordered him only to chant the holy name of Krishna, he always chanted the Hare Krishna Mantra according to this direction. Krishna Mantra Japa Sada'e Mantra Sar Krishna is the origin of everything. Therefore, when a person is fully Krishna conscious, it is to be understood that his relationship with Krishna has been fully confirmed. Lacking Krishna consciousness, one is only partially related with Krishna and is therefore not in his constitutional position. Although Sri Caitanya Mahaprabhu is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, the spiritual master of the entire universe, he nevertheless took the position of a disciple in order to teach by example how a devotee should strictly follow the orders of a spiritual master in executing the duty of always chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. One who is very much attracted to the study of Vedanta philosophy must take lessons from Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. In this age, no one is actually competent to study Vedanta, and therefore it is better that one chant the holy name of the Lord, which is the essence of all Vedic knowledge, as Krishna himself confirms in the Bhagavad Gita 1515. By all the Vedas, I am to be known. Indeed, I am the compiler of Vedanta, and I am the the knower of all Vedas. Only fools give up the service of the spiritual master and think themselves advanced in spiritual knowledge. In order to check such fools, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself presented the perfect example of how to be a disciple. A spiritual master knows very well how to engage each disciple in a particular duty. But if a disciple, thinking himself more advanced than his spiritual master, gives up his orders and acts independently, he checks his own spiritual progress. Every disciple must consider himself completely unaware of the science of Krishna and must always be ready to carry out the orders of the spiritual master to become competent in Krishna consciousness. A disciple should always remain a fool before his spiritual master. Therefore sometimes pseudo-spiritualists accept a spiritual master who is not even fit to become a disciple because they want to keep him under their control. This is useless for spiritual realization. One who imperfectly knows Krishna consciousness cannot know Vedanta philosophy. A showy display of Vedanta study without Krishna consciousness is a feature of the external energy Maya. And as long as one is attracted by the inebrieties of this ever-changing material energy, he deviates from devotion to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. An actual knower of Vedanta philosophy is a devotee of Lord Vishnu, who is the greatest of the great and the maintainer of the entire universe. <clears throat> Unless one surpasses the field of activities in service to the limited, one cannot reach the unlimited. Knowledge of the unlimited is actual brahma or knowledge of the Supreme. Those who are addicted to fruitive activities and speculative knowledge cannot understand the value of the Holy Name of Lord Krishna, which is always completely pure, eternally liberated and full of spiritual bliss. One who has taken shelter of the Holy Name of the Lord, which is identical with the Lord, does not have to study Vedanta philosophy, for he has already completed all such study. One who is unfit to chant the holy name of Krishna, but thinks that the holy name is different from Krishna, and thus takes shelter of Vedanta study, in order to understand him, must be considered a number one fool, as confirmed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu by his personal behavior. And philosophical speculators who want to make stud Vedanta philosophy, an academic career, are also considered to be within the material energy. A person who always chants the holy name of the Lord, however, is already beyond the ocean of nescience, and thus even a person born in a low family who engages in chanting the holy name of the Lord is considered to be, on, to be beyond the study of Vedanta philosophy. In this connection, Srimad Bhagavatam 3.33.7 states, Aho Bhattaswapacho To Gariyan Yad jivagre Vartate Nama Tepustapas Te, te Juvu shashnur Arya if a person born in a family of dog eaters takes to the chanting of the holy name of Krishna it is to be understood that in his previous life he must have executed all kinds of austerities and penances and performed all the Vedic yakyas another quotation states Rig Vedo Tha Yajur Veda Sama vedo B. A person who chants the two syllables, Hari, has already studied the four Vedas, Sam, Yirig, Yajur and Atarva. Taking advantage of these verses, there are some Sahajiyas who, taking everything very cheaply, consider themselves elevated Vaishnavas, but do not care even to touch the Vedanta Sutra or Vedanta philosophy. A real Vaishnava should, however study Vedanta philosophy but if after studying Vedanta one does not adopt the chanting of the holy name of the Lord he is no better than a Mayavadi therefore one should not be a Mayavadi yet one should not be unaware of the subject matter of Vedanta philosophy indeed Chaitanya Mahaprabhu exhibited his knowledge of Vedanta in his discourses with Prakashananda Saraswati thus it is to be understood that a Vaishnava should be completely conversant with Vedanta philosophy Yet he should not think that studying Vedānta is all in all, and therefore be unattached to the chanting of the holy name. A devotee must know the importance of simultaneously understanding Vedānta philosophy and chanting the holy names. If by studying Vedānta one becomes an impersonalist, he has not been able to understand Vedānta. This is confirmed in Bhagavad Gita 15.15. Vedānta means the end of knowledge. The ultimate end of knowledge is knowledge of Krishna who is identical with his holy name. Cheap Vaishnavas, Sahajiyas, do not care to study the Vedanta philosophy as commented upon by the four Acharyas. In the Gaudiya Sampradaya, there is a Vedanta commentary called Lukovinda Govinda Bhashya. But the Sahajiyas consider such commentaries to be untouchable philosophical speculation, and they consider the Acharyas to be mixed devotees. Thus they clear their way to hell.
0: Thank you very much. Round of applause for Prabhupada. You don't want to give the talk as well? You could do. Sīlā Prabhupada Ki Jai. Prabhupada in this purport is, is very, very clear. Prabhupada's purpose always follow on from the clarity of the verse, of the verses extremely clear, then the purport has to be very exacting and clear. This is one of the most famous verses in all of Chaitanya Charitamrita. It's the verse that um, says that the culmination of all philosophical study is the chanting of the names of Krishna. It's the verse that says that one should never be too big for his boots, or his crocks, or his flip-flops. Uh, If one's lotus feet grow so big that his lotus feet grow outside the size of his boots that is not a very good position because the lotus feet very soon will turn to the hooves of a cow or a goat uh, unworshipable by anybody. So a disciple is always recommended to remain humble. Then what else is in this verse is that the name of Krishna is the essence of the chanting of all mantras Jiva Goswami um, says that the holy name of Krishna is uh, Namatmika or Namatmika means that it's the very soul of any mantra any mantra has different components if you miss out any of those components you don't have a mantra anymore there's the beej or the seed. This is the seed of the mantra. This is usually a very short word that comes at the beginning of the mantra. Then there is the uh, chanda, or the, the meter. If you don't chant the meter in the correct way, then it, it's not a meter. It's like having a, you know, someone asks you to sing God Save the Queen, but instead of singing God Save the Queen, which is made of eight notes, you start singing another eight notes. In another order. And it's no use if someone says to you, But I asked you to sing God Save the Queen. Well, I'm singing all the notes, but as Morcom and Wise said, But not necessarily in the same order. That's okay. Let that go of your head. Too young. It <laughs> was a comedian. He said, I'm playing all the right notes, but not necessarily in the right order. No, that's not good. If you play notes in a different order, then it's not the same piece of music. So if you say if you have all the syllables of the mantra, but they're not in the right order, or they're not in the right meter, then you don't have the mantra. Then every mantra must be accompanied by Rishi, the sage who gave it. You must always remember the person who gave it to human society. You must always invoke his name before chanting the mantra. And then, of course... You must have the devata, the person who is being honored by the mantra. Mantras are not simply sound formulas. They are series of sounds, but in there is the person to whom you are offering that mantra. This is where the potency of the mantra comes from. This is where the, all the spiritual shakti of the mantra comes from. You must have the name of the devata. Uh, And then you must also have the way in which the mantra is to be um, chanted. Which direction should you face? You face the wrong direction, then you have a problem. The deity to whom you are offering the mantra will not be pleased. Wrong time of day, and also the deity to whom you're offering the mantra will not be pleased. If you don't chant your Gayatri at the Sandhya, then you won't, that's offensive. So there are many hard and fast rules. And these hard and fast rules don't change. They don't change. You have to continue. Therefore, mantras come along with an instruction uh, on how to chant them, where to chant them, what you should wear while you're chanting them, whose name you should take before you chant them. It's a package so, give, being given a mantra is being co- is called diksha, and then given the instructions to go with the mantra, this is called shiksha, and shiksha includes uh, everything that you need in order to do it. It's like going to IKEA, and you get all the the components of your Billy bookcase. You get all the bits and pieces, and you get the little tool, right? You get the screws, and but you also get an instruction book which you hope is not written in Swedish, but you hope that it's written in English, or there's some pictograms that help you. And even then, it's complicated, isn't it? So IKEA also provides people that will, at a pinch, come to your house and put together your bookcase for you. Okay. So yes, it's possible to do these things through books, but pronunciation you'll never get. You think that you'll be able to get pronunciation because we have digital recording devices... You know, twenty years ago, uh, uh, I've just been to India. Just came back a couple of days ago. But when you uh, <clears throat> going to India twenty years ago, people didn't just didn't have the technology. You see, the curtains opened in front of the deities, and immediately the two hands would go like this, and people would pray. Now the curtains open. So, they see, what do people do? They bring out their phones and they're immediately taking pictures. Isn't that? This is Saparad, taking a picture of the deity before you've done your prayers. One day in the post, you get an invitation written by the Lord Chancellor of Her Majesty the Queen inviting you to Buckingham Palace. And you go to Buckingham Palace and you're in a long line of people but gradually, gradually, the line is moving closer, closer, closer to Her Majesty. And you get right in front of Her Majesty the Queen, and the first thing you do is you whip out your iPhone and ching, big flash. Is this behavior? Is this pucker behavior? Is this aradhanam? No. The thing is, you must have a personal relationship with the deity. Of course, in this case, she's the queen. But if you're in front of the deity, you you have to engage in a personal relationship. So you fly all the way to India, you walk up a thousand steps, and there you sit in front of this ancient deity that's been there for 5,000 years. The curtains open. What are you going to do? Whip out your iPhone and take a picture? No. Why? What is a picture for you? How is that an interaction? What you're doing is saying... My memory is so bad, I want to take a picture of you, so when I go home, not You cannot capture the deity. You cannot capture the deity. You stand in front of the deity, and you are meant to be captured by him or her, whoever it is. And you say in your heart, My dear Lord, please, you take a picture of me. Take a picture of me, my Lord, <laughs> with the iPod <laughs> of your, your infinite memory, so that after I leave this place, you can remember me. Om kratos Smara, Krita Smara, kratos mara Smara. Please take a picture of me and everything that I've ever done for you and never let me go from your heart. This is how a devotee prays. Not, now I've captured Krishna. So similarly, uh, in all these things, we have to know how to interact with the very essence of every mantra. This is known as shiksha. Shiksha is known as uh, well, there's, there's 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 fancy English words for shiksha. Shiksha is euphony, prosody. There's others. Anyway, it's all to do with how to chant, because you think, oh, I have my uh, my digital device. We have tape recorders. We have the internet. Well, if you believe the very person. Whose instructions you think you're following, i.e., A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, he said that everything that you see mechanical in front of you is a 150-year miracle. It will end. Has it had a beginning, and it will end after 150 years. So all these things that you think have made retention, have made memory, same thing. Have made, uh, learning, education easy. This will not be the same for the next generation. Why? Because silicon is running out and different other, um, mineral deposits are running out such that eventually the things that you now consider these wonderful miracles, uh, will not be able to be replaced. Either this generation, next generation or the next generation. So petroleum will be used only for governments and military. Uh, and all these precious elements that are now being poured into devices that you can, so that you can send a picture of your ugly face to a friend on the other part of the world. You see? This is how you're using your gigabytes <laughs> to send a picture of your face. Hey, look at me. This is what I'm doing. Look, this is me in Tesco's. Waste of life. So, um, the idea is that Vedic mantra has to be committed to memory. And for memory, we do certain things. The reason why memory is so important is because you don't have anything else other than the computer which is on your shoulders. This is a sophisticated computer. When I was a child... And I first heard the word computer. Actually, the first time I ever saw a computer was in a film called The Hare Krishna People. That was the first time I'd ever seen a computer. And the uh, anybody see that film, that old film? At uh, the Spiritual Sky Incense Company in Los Angeles, America, the devotees of Krishna even have a computer and a chance, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Hari." Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. And I looked at that and I thought, wow. <laughs> they have a computer. Iskon has a computer. Wow. It was 1974. 1974. Iskon had a computer. Nobody had computers. But ISKCON had a computer. I was so proud that in my spiritual master's movement there was a computer. But then when they asked him, Prabhupada, should we get, uh, should we get, um, what is it called? We don't even use it anymore. This machine that can, telly Teletext. That's right, teletext. You know, in the old days, the football scores used to come in. Blackburn Rovers, nil. Manchester United, six. <laughs> so, uh, it used to come in, the, the results used to come in on the old black and white televisions. So the point here is that when they asked Prabhupada should we do this, he said, No, nope. it will simply waste the devotee's time speaking nonsense from temple to temple. Oh, if only Prabhupada had known about Facebook. Hey, if only he'd known. How many hours go into look at my Facebook? Okay. Look at my Facebook and I'll look at your Facebook and, yeah. So some things can be there. Like a scalpel, Prabhupada said, a scalpel in the hands of a competent surgeon saves a life. But the same knife in the hands of a robber can take a knife. This is how we look at the internet. It's good, but it's not. The reason why it's not good is because it takes away from devotees' learning. It's a very, very important to learn. Uh, there's an old story of two British army officers on the bank of the Ganga, and they'd been drinking as they used to and they had a fight as they used to and uh, it was a bloody fight and um, one of them was going to get court-martialed eventually they were hauled away and uh, the court-martial was held military court and they said all right so who started the fight and they both said, he did and they said, well have you got any witnesses? no, we were by the bank of the Ganga the only person that was there was an elderly sadhu who doesn't speak English so he didn't know what was going on so they said, bring him but, but he doesn't speak English, no, bring him so the sadhu who only spoke Hindi and Sanskrit, he was brought into the British military court and, he said, and they asked him in Hindi so what did they say? And although it was two weeks previously, this is a true story, this sadhu who did not speak English, he gave a complete verbatim account of the conversation between the two army officers in English, simply from his memory. Just from his memory. And this was sufficient evidence to establish who was the culprit. So for this reason, the culture of Krishna consciousness, the culture of Gurukula, the culture of memory, training, the culture of uh, everything that we do is aimed at learning so that intellectually, philosophically, we will be able to underpin our Siddhanta with clear, shastric, pramanam. Pramanam means evidence. Pramana means, why are you doing what you do? Why, why are you doing what you do? Why do you put clay on your forehead? Why do you get up at an unearthly hour on a Saturday? For God's sake, man, you've been working hard all week. Why are you here first thing in the morning? Before breakfast, why do you do it? Why Krishna? Why not Shiva? Why not Jesus? Why not Buddha? Do you have a reason? What is your reason? How do you know that your reason is correct? How do you know that these shastras are correct? Why this shastra? Why not the Quran? Well, because these shastras are written by great rishis who received the wisdom in their deep meditation. Well, I can say so did Muhammad. He also received the wisdom. So did Moses. So what is the difference? So why these shastras? Why this praman, not another praman? So you have to know the sequencing uh, before you get to the conclusion. The siddhanta is the conclusion, and what we're interested in is the shastra praman. Firstly, what is shastra? What is praman? What evidence will you accept as being evidence? It's a bit like CSI. You know, you have to collect all the evidence, sometimes with tweezers, sometimes you have to look at you know, the Shastra, and you, you have to tweeze out this verse, you with know, a micro microscope, and you have to look and say, ah, I see that in this verse, this is what it means. And if I compare this verse with another piece of evidence that we found at the scene over here, and somewhere in the shopping mall, if we compare these two, we see they match up. This piece of cloth is matching this piece of cloth. Therefore, Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Haribol. So in order to be able to do that, you have to know a great deal of... You have to actually be intelligent. You have to be intelligent. And you have to be able to intelligently analyze the three sources, the three cardinal sources of evidence. Once you've satisfied yourself that just sense pramana, prachaksha pramanam, is not enough. Prachaksha means information that you gain through your senses. Hmm? You can answer certain questions through the senses, hmm? just like I stepped off the plane the other day. I was get this. I was sweating, walking to Mangalati. I was sweating. It was so hot at four o'clock in the morning. I was walking from the place I was staying to the temple. I was I was sweating. It was so hot and stuffy and humid. Okay. And then it just didn't stop, <laughs> and then it just got hotter during the day. So now I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to know how, how uh, cold it is in London. What's what's and it was minus four, minus four. Anyway, the point is this: this is sense information. Is it raining? Yes. Is it raining? No. Is it hot? Yes. This is pratyaksha. But once I understand that simply um, the information coming from the senses and uh, just ordinary inspiration or extraction of information by um, considering something deeply, just uh, this is not enough. Once I have established that Shastra is the ultimate source of information, then i have to concern myself with which shastra so in our tradition we have what is known as prastana trayi trayi means three prastana means pra means a going forward and stana means um, like stane stita. it's where you're situated so prastana means going forward from the place or the place from which you go forward prastana trayi three places from which you go forward so one is um, One is Bhagavad Gita, one is the Upanishads, and one is Vedanta or Brahma Sutra. So Upanishads are first, of course. Even Krishna, he's quoting the Upanishads when he speaks Bhagavad Gita. And of course, Vedanta Sutra or Brahma Sutra refers to the Upanishads. But it's in an analytical way. It's in a forensic scientist way. He's picking a little bit of a verse from here, a little bit of a verse from there, a little bit of a verse from here, a little bit of a verse from there. And he's putting together a sequence of four. And uh, you're being asked to understand that Vedanta Sutta is is an amalgamation. It's a representation of Vedic Siddhanta. But it is really complicated because you have to hold... At least six abstract conceptions in your mind at the same time to find a resolution with the seventh concept so this requires firstly great knowledge to begin with that what you're reading is from the Vedas and if you haven't already read the Vedas then you know Vedanta Sutra is very hard secondly it's uh, you have to be extremely intelligent definition of intelligence is to be able to hold many different things in the mind at the same time and organize them in order to come up with a conclusion yes this is what we should do like Sherlock Holmes he would always say to Watson he would say Watson you're you're looking but you don't see and he would point to something and Watson would always say but how did you see that? He said, well, you were looking at it too. How did you not see it? So he, because he was able to bring this from here and this from here, this from here and come up with a conclusion. So this is Vedanta Sutra. So you do actually be, have to be intelligent. So it's not just, here's a piece of Sanskrit, this is what it means. Here's a piece of Sanskrit, this is what it means. What it means, that requires your intelligence. You see, here's a piece of cloth. What does it mean? Well, it has no meaning unless you know that a piece of cloth that was left on a thorn bush out in the forest while the suspect was running away matches up with a tiny shred of cloth that was found in the, you know, on the dead body. Okay, then it has meaning. So what the cloth means, what does the cloth mean? It means that it's a piece of cloth. That's all, that's all the intrinsic meaning of the piece of cloth. But when you relate it to another piece of cloth that was discovered in another place, then that gives it its meaning. It's a triangulation of meaning by having a bigger concept. So that is Vedanta Sutra. It's a triangulation of meaning through Sanskrit analytics. And into which is also brought euphony, prosody, all the shiksha that you've understood. When I was just in India, I went to a, a, I, I usually go beyond our ISKCON fold for, for a, a week or two, just to help me know how ISKCON works a little bit better. Sometimes you have to get outside ISKCON to see how ISKCON works. <laughs> Hare Krishna. So I spent a week with the uh, with a Madhva Brahmin family, Madhva Sampradaya, and one sannyasi... Uh, came to install deities and just seeing the way that all works and then I spent three days with the uh, Sri Vaishnavas up in Melkote uh, it's a a place on a hill where Ramanujacharya um, he was running from a murderous king Chola king and he stayed there for 11 years Anyway, now it's a Sanskrit um, research institute with um, thousands of ancient um, documents. Anyway, um, people and their relationship with uh, mantras from their tradition is that they chant all the time. They chant all the time. And the only time they don't chant is when they're playing cricket. From what I can see. I went to a Madhva Gurukulam. And in, the, in South India, in a uh, the, in the suburb of Bangalore, it's called the um, like Avidyapitam. Anyway, there was 150 boys, it was in the afternoon, 150 boys playing cricket. Okay, having a great time. Uh, all in dhoti's. <laughs> ah. So then, uh, the Sandhya came, the sun was going down. And immediately, cricket stopped. And everybody lined up to do Gayatri. <laughs> cricket stops for Gayatri. okay? So this is their training. And every morning, they spend uh, two, three hours chanting mantras. Why? Because you're going to need them sometime. And how much we teach our children that they're not going to need, actually... You know, I spent five years doing French. I could have been learning Sanskrit. Now at least we have one, two, three schools where Sanskrit is being taught. Um, the whole point is that mantras are the wealth of the brahmanas. Mantras are our the, wealth. They're what we need. They're what we hold on to. And uh, all it's all that you take through life with you. If you can take the sound vibration of the Vedas with you and the Upanishads, then at the end of this world, the end of your life, then you'll be, you know, you'll be a happy person. Um, but of course, it, it's not simply that you should. Um, proper said that even a parrot can be taught the Vedas. Mm -hmm. parrots can be taught the Vedas and chimps can be taught Vedic ritual so it's what you understand by what you're doing that's important Prabhupada said you teach the parrot um, the Vedas he said you can even teach him how to chant the holy name but he can't surrender so when someone when the cat comes and someone's left the cage open, and the cat comes and grabs the parrot by the neck, then the parrot won't chant. He'll just chant. The whole point is that if you learn how to chant uh, internally, there's a relationship developing. Otherwise, it's a mechanical effort. But this is very interesting. This purport is very interesting because, first of all, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is saying, (laughs) <laughs> My spiritual master considered me a fool. So he is expressing, of course, he's not a fool. He sits in front of Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, just, you know, not long after, just a few years, a couple of years later. He's sitting in front of Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya and he's explaining the verses that the Acharya is teaching to him in many, many different ways. And Sarvabhoma is thinking, what an intelligent person he is. How much his intelligence at being able to understand, you know, uh, Vedic mantras exceeds my own. And I'm the teacher to the king of the entire state of Varissa. So why is it that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu does not display his intelligence before Ishwarapuri? Because that's not his relationship. Because he's trying to receive something. Sanatan Goswami, when he went to be with. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he said, "Kami, who am I? Well, he'd already been sitting with Brahmins for months and months, if not years, learning all the Vedas. But because now he's with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he's accepting him as Guru, he's saying, I don't know anything. I don't know who I am. People say I'm learned, but I'm not. Arjuna. Arjuna. He was so intelligent. He wasn't just a warrior. He was extremely intelligent. He'd been for 13 years, he'd been wandering around in the forest. Who lives in the forest? Tigers. Although when I go to an Indian forest, I can never see them. I did actually see a scorpion this time though. Right on the path. Deadly poisonous scorpion. Anyway, they'd been in the forest for 13 years. There's only rishis living in the forest. In their interaction with the rishis, you read the Mahabharata, And the rishis are teaching them and teaching them and teaching them. So the Pandavas, including Draupadi, they're getting a lot of very good Upanishadic instruction. But then you put him in one situation and Arjuna says, I know nothing. Karpanya. Karpanya dosha pahatasva I'm just a. I'm helpless. I know nothing. He's putting himself in that situation. Sanatana is putting himself in that situation. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is putting himself in that situation in order to enhance the possibility of transmission. Transmission between guru and disciple takes place when the disciple is a blank slate. And all the teacher has to do is to write on that blank slate of the mind. Otherwise, the disciple may bring with him all kinds of stuff. So my spiritual master said I was a fool, and I just had to chant... So that's one thing that's going on here. But if you copy that, Prabhupada says at the end here, if you copy that, what happens? You become a sahaja. Well, how is that possible? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, I know nothing, I only know the holy name of Krishna. But when I say that I know nothing, I only know the holy name of Krishna, then that's somehow wrong? Prabhupada says, yes, by the end. Because you you have to learn everything that you need to know in order to understand why the holy name of krishna is the goal of your life you have to know an awful lot in order to know that you know nothing it's the result of years and years and years and years of study to come to the conclusion that you don't know anything people who don't know anything and they read the vedas they're very dangerous And it is said that even the Vedas themselves are afraid of a man who has read them only a little bit, who has a little bit of knowledge. The Vedas are very, the Vedas are not, the Vedas are the expression of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. They're not afraid of everything, anything. But there is one person that they're afraid of, and it's the man who knows the Vedas just a little bit. Very, very dangerous man. So this is the Brahmin in the age of Kali, unfortunately. And I know a very little bit, but I assume a position that I know a lot. So therefore, Prabhupada wanted to underpin this very simple practice of chanting the whole. Because that, that's really all you've got. That song that we just sang. Hari, Guru, Vaishnava, Bhagavata, Gita. Hari. Hari. Hari the Lord Guru the person who represents the teachings of the Lord to you and through whom you offer your teachings to the Lord your what you have learnt to the Lord in service Hari, Guru, Vaishnava those who are on the same path as you each of whom actually are Guru each of whom in whose hearts is carrying Hari you be prepared to listen at all times to them that's what separates the, the men from the boys. That's what separates the Madhyams from the Kaniṣṭhas. If they can see Guru in every person, in every devotee, then that means you're a Madhyam Adhikari. It means when you're willing to listen listen to Krishna, and then go one further. That I'm willing to listen to the voice of Krishna speaking to me through anything. That even... Even... Uh, I speak to someone who doesn't seem to know anything and I can extract Krishna because Krishna has put this person across my path for a purpose. Hmm? I see a butterfly and I remember Krishna. I see an arrow maker and I remember Krishna's teachings. I see a mountain and I remember. I see a river and I remember Krishna. We are not pantheists. A pantheist sees a river and sees God. But a panentheist sees the river and sees God behind the river. That's the difference. Between pantheism and panentheism. Two different philosophical constructs. So if someone says to you, oh, I see the mountains and the rivers, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. No, he's a pantheist. There's a pantheism. I see a mountain. It reminds me of God. See a river, no, you could be a pantheist, so panentheism so we we, we we see we hear the voice of Krishna in all things. this is to be very advanced, and when you see Krishna, I went to this one festival of uh, the songs of Purandar Das, Purandar Das is very famous in the south of India in Maharashtra because he 's a follower of. Krishna as uh, Vitala. He's very famous in Karnataka. He's very famous in Tamil Nadu and Andhra. He wrote 4,500 songs. And basically his whole life was how to remember Krishna wherever you are. So he has, he has a song to Krishna that is written intrinsically about, you know, a, 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 a screw, a piece of paper, a, a bead of sweat, um, a, a mountain, this, that and you go through all his songs it's just that if you know all those songs uh, wherever you are and whoever you're with and whatever you're doing you can remember Krishna so this is the voice of you know a person who's in love with Krishna if you're in love with Krishna you see Krishna everywhere if you're not in love with Krishna you see him nowhere that's the difference between Prahlad Maharaj and Harani Kashibu. Prahlad Maharaj he saw the Lord everywhere And the Lord saw him everywhere. That's a nice thing. For one who sees me everywhere and sees everything in me, I'm never lost to him, nor is he ever lost to me. So Prahlad is pushed off a cliff. The Lord catches him. Don't try this at home, folks. Don't try this when you're out on Sangatan, at the top of an NCP car park. We do not test our devotion in this way. Well, here I'm a devotee. Yes, you're a devotee, but you may not love Krishna. You may not be 100% devoted. I'm finishing soon. So, um, Harani Kashipu, however, even Krishna appeared directly in front of him. Directly in front of him. He burst out of the pillar. He saw him, he said, Who's this? (laughs) Who's this? So, Prahlad Maharaj could see Krishna even when Krishna was invisible. And Krishna became became visible to Harani Kashipu. And because he didn't love him, he was still invisible. So, you can have the mantra, but you must have the love. You may think that you have the love, but you must also have the mantra. This is the thing. You must have the mantra, the Siddhanta, and the Bhava. If you have the Bhava, but no mantra and no Siddhanta then this can very easily become spoiled. It's like if you have a diamond, but you don't have a, a nice gold ring to put the diamond in. You can easily lose a diamond. Okay? Very easily lose a diamond. Okay? You go and brush your teeth. The diamond's lost. So a diamond needs a good setting. So the diamond of the name of Krishna needs the beautiful, firm setting of the Siddhanta of Krishna, the Shastra Pramana of Krishna. So then it's secure. And they look nice together, the diamond in the gold ring. When someone says diamond ring, they mean that the diamond is going to be set in something. So Prabhupada has given um, everything. He's given deep, deep philosophy and I'm always, I'm always trying to leave the service of my spiritual master this is something that you have to understand I've spent the past, the past 35 years trying to walk away from the teachings of his divine grace but I'm afraid I can't I'm afraid I can't because I've never found anything superior I'm still looking and when I find something then you won't see me sitting on a chair like this anymore I'll be gone I'll be in a mosque somewhere. Or in a church somewhere. Okay? When I find something. But I I mean I've really tried. I've really tried hard not to be a disciple of A. C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Why? Because it's difficult sometimes. It's not easy. To be for life. When you're in it for life, it's a life sentence. <laughs> and you think, I should be getting out on good behaviour soon. <laughs> but no, it's a life sentence. So I've tried to find other possible alternatives. But I've always been unsuccessful. Prabhupada's philosophy is so watertight. You can never escape. Mm, Made everything very, very tight. Too much intelligence there. Too much reasoning. And then I've also seen other people who have taken the holy name of Krishna. And they are enjoying the holy name of Krishna. But they don't have philosophy. And let me tell you, I've decided that I don't want to join them either. I've seen them. So both things must be there. Then, I've seen people who've had a, a mantra, a guru, some philosophy, a little bit of bhava, but they don't have any temples, they don't have any feasts, they don't have an organization, they don't have any many fellow Vaishnavas. And I've said to myself, nah, I don't want to join that either. don't want to be part of that not just because I've made my choices you always have a choice yesterday was yesterday today you have a choice every single one of you has a choice to to today either remain a devotee of Krishna or not you can all go home if you want that's your choice you're making a voluntary commitment on a daily basis you see so that means that's our morning program That's our sankalpa. We renew our sankalpa every morning, our firm mental resolve to be a uh, devotee. So Prabhupada is offering some cautions here. You must be humble in front of you. Even when, um, of course, a couple of days ago they chose um, a pope, you know, the 115 cardinals, they sat together, there was some white smoke, and now we have a new pope. Hooray! so um, what were the two qualities the two qualities that they said that they were very much looking forward to this Pope why? he was fifth he came fifth last time what are the qualities? he's outgoing with ordinary people he's outgoing with ordinary people Hare Krishna happy St. Patrick's Day I saw you with your hat. I should have glorified St. Patrick. Oh, he's coming back in now. Is it today? Oh, your birthday is today. When is St. Patrick's Day? Parashram is doing breakfast for all of us. And do you have something to do with that? This is Because it's your birthday. Prabhuji's uh, breakfast. Prabhuji's birthday today. Haribo. Haribo. I got, I got. Krishna to give. Okay, could everyone raise their hands? Okay, and we all look at Krishna. And then taking all the bhakti that Krishna can give and look at Prabhuji. And we say, Ashirvad. Ashirvadam. Nishkincha bhakti. Ashirvadam. Hare Krishna. Just see, he made an old man cry. Two qualities, and we'll finish there. They said, Oh i tell you a story, actually. Ramanujacharya, one of the greatest medieval philosophers of India, he was coming to the end of his years. He had to choose people to carry on the tradition that he'd started, so he chose 74 gurus who were going to initiate in the future. And uh, he went through a whole list of qualifications that they had to have. And at the end, he said, he gave one other piece of information. He said that they must be good with people. He said they must be good with ordinary people. Yes, they must be learned in the Vedas and they must be committed and they must do the sadhachara and everything, but they must be good with people. They must have the common touch. So it was interesting, when they were choosing the Pope, this is one quality that they said they must have the common touch. People commented on that. Second quality they chose the Pope for it's the spiritual quality which if you have it everybody will like you what is it humility that's what they said they said we like this pope because of his humility so some things don't change my friends uh, ability to reach out to others greatly learned greatly committed to god in the name of god and even though you're very learned and very committed uh, and you're a good people person but still humility will keep everything intact humility will make sure that you don't lose anything it's very easy to be given all these things by the mercy of the Guru the Guru Kripa but um, it's very easy to lose them if you don't have humility therefore Lord Ramachandra he said that humility or Dainya is the key to the gate of Vaikuntha. Hmm? If you want to go back to Vaikuntha, you need a key to get in the gate. What is the key to that gate? That is dainya or humility. So humility must be there. Humility doesn't mean pseudo-humility. Oh, I'm I'm nothing, I'm nothing, I can't be... No, 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 I can't, no. Somebody came in front of Prabhupada and they started doing that. Oh, Prabhupada, I'm the most fallen. (laughs) Prabhupada said, you're you're not the most anything. You're not the most anything you wanted him to know <laughs> get over it don't try to be humble just be humble and humility will be um, appreciated by others humility does not mean humiliation it doesn't mean that you have things taken away from you You see, uh, humility means that you're carrying a great stock of internal, personal uh, wealth this is a great gift This is a great gift. So along with the Guru Parampara passing on mantras, tantras, yantras, and siddhantas, the Guru Parampara also passes on humility. You see? And that's why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he's sitting in front of his guru and he's saying, I know nothing. And his guru said, yes, you're right, you know nothing. (laughs) You see? Vishwara Puri knew who he was. Ishwarapuri knew who he was. Because Ishwarapuri had prayed to his spiritual master. Spiritual master Ramchandrapuri? Madhavendra Puri. Whose spiritual master was Ramachandra Puri? No. Huh? Ramchandra Puri's. That's right. That's right. It was as Madhavendra Puri was leaving this world. So he prayed to him. Love of God. I want to have love of God. Very interesting, isn't it? So, um, this humility is passed down. And it's one of the jewels, actually. You know, it's one of the jewels that we see with Prabhupada. How learned was Prabhupada? And uh, Prabhupada was in an airport in America. And some security guard came and told the devotees, you know, you all have to stand up. So then, uh, Devotee made the announcement. He said, all the devotees have to stand up. And so Prabhupada stood up. (laughs) He didn't think, you know, come on, I'm the, I'm special. Or in the very beginning in 1965 or 1966, Prabhupada said, so I, I think there should be a rota for washing the dishes. You can all take one day for washing the dishes, you know. And so one person put their hand up and said, I'll do Sunday. And then there was silence. Everybody was looking at the ground. Nobody wanted to wash the dishes. And Prabhupada said, I will do Wednesday. <laughs> and then everybody put their hand up. Prabhupada used to wait in line to use the shower. So wait in line to use the shower. So it wasn't like, you know, don't you know who I am? I'm A. C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who's come to deliver you all from, you know, impersonalism and voidism. Surely. Haven't you realized who I am yet? But because of Prabhupada's humility, that's the first way that you recognize who you're dealing with. You recognize the humility. Because humility is like the uniform of a person when you see a policeman you you don't see you know mister mr. Smith who has three children and a dog and a cat and a new baby on the way and drives a you know a Ford car you don't see that you just see the uniform that's what you respond to it's a policeman how do you know that because I know because of the blue color the white flashes and the silver buttons and the number on his arm. This is the uniform of a policeman. So with that uniform, you have the power. So the uniform of a Vaishnava, the bit that you see first, is the uniform of humility. Learning and humility. And the name of Krishna. These things, these are the elements of the uniform of a Vaishnava. So this is what you interact with. You may not know internally what's going on, but if there's humility, then you know who you're dealing with. Hare Krishna. I should be humble enough to stop speaking at the right time, shouldn't I? Hare Krishna. Thank you very much for listening. Srila Prabhupada. key